Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFISFM. Well, Sharon, we are on the air. Do you think we we're going to get first some... guest online? Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, James, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Oh, good. I just need to turn up mine. And so, folks, um, we have it. our first guest is James. Is it Steidel? James? You got it. Oh, good. <laughs> he is silent. <laughs> you must know some German. Well, I went and took German at night school because I I was going to Austria, and and I really started having fun with the German language because one of the things, um, you know, they they say crank, which means ill, sick, mm-hmm. and we call people cranky. And you know, yeah, there's, yeah. There's all sorts of weird little words, and the, the spelling is so literal uh-huh. in German too. So if it's e i, it's pronounced one way, and if it's i e, it's pronounced another way. <laughs> and it probably explains a lot about how they like rules. Yeah, yeah. And I was in Austria for I think a whole month, and I, you know, I just fell in love with it. What a beautiful uh, place, and uh, how warm they are. But the people my age didn't speak English. Um, and, and the younger generation took English at school. And yet my age group didn't. It was kind of, that's partly why I took German, but I'm telling you, I well, didn't you, take it. You only made friends with young people, I guess. I did. I really did. <laughs> you're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you're right on, James. Um, now I asked James to come on because I've been, um, reading about Stop the Spray and reading about glyphosate, and then I found out that they've got someone in town who's been working on this issue for, what, six years, James? Oh, actually, this year it'll be ten years. Ten years, and they're not yeah. listening to you. Oh, well, a few of them are, but uh, and they're still doing it, so yeah, not. Yeah, and so I really want to educate people about What's going on? I mean, I don't know much about it, just what I've managed to do research on. But what triggered me to really get into it was seeing that 15,000 hectares of our um, interior is going to be sprayed by this stuff this year. Yeah, that was kind of the, that was kind of the average. Uh, actually, we didn't, there was no spraying uh, last year uh-huh. um, because it was so wet. Yeah, it was just too much rain. Yeah, and the year before there was very little spraying. I think only uh, actually our public agency BC Timber Sales. I think they were the ones that actually sprayed the previous year. So the last few years we've we've had next to no spraying. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, the timber industry is still rolling on. You know that the forests are still growing. Uh, you know the sky has not fallen. Yeah. So yeah. Let's so, just let's just keep uh, let's just keep at it, and let's just keep not spraying our forest. Yes. And so, are they going to go ahead with the spray this uh, year? As far as I understand, they've got a big backlog to take care of this year. Yeah. So the the plan is to do a bunch of spraying this year. So how can we stop it? Well, I want to say write letters, but uh, you know we've been doing that for years, and it hasn't really done anything. Yeah. And we've got a petition. We've got like over almost one hundred and thirty thousand signatures on that petition. That hasn't done anything. So I'm kind of at the at the end of the rope on that stuff. And I think really like what it really gets down to. I know we can talk about this later, but it's like uh, it's a governance issue. It's an institutional issue. It's uh, the fact that Victoria doesn't listen to the little old 
uh, peas years. Yeah. We don't have control over our forests, right? It's it's um, the stuff has been authorized down in the lower mainland, and yeah, they don't really doesn't really matter what we say, right? Because yeah. And I mean, it's more about keeping the Ministry of Forest down there happy. Like we've got a lot of people who've spent their careers, mm-hmm. kind of creating this this forest management system that's based on farming, is what it is. We're we're looking at our forests like they're a crop of uh, potatoes out in the field, and you want to if you're growing potatoes, you don't want anything other than potatoes in there. Yeah, and that's killed everything that's kind else. of the mentality that that we've been. Uh, applying to our forests for 40, 40 or 50 years now. And it actually goes way before that, back to the Germans, actually. Uh-huh. They actually started this uh, hundreds of years ago, um, sustained yield forestry, it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, the irony there is that uh, I was actually in Germany there in 2015, and they have totally shifted gears on this, and they actually uh, are moving 180 degrees away from this uh, this monocrop plantation forestry model. Yeah. So now, let's the talk. Germans who actually started this idea are are finally getting doing a new it. thing. We need to we need to follow suit, and we need to do the new style of forestry, which is uh, more of a mixed forestry. Is what we need. We need to have not just spruce and pine trees, but we need the birch, we need the aspen, yes. we need the cottonwood, uh, yeah. and all the diversity. Let's talk about what glyphosate is. It's um, uh, from what I could gather, it's a carcinogenic. And and the World Health Organization has uh, said that it 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 is a carcinogenic. And yeah, probable carcinogen. So when they first developed it, it's a salt, basically, is what it is, mm-hmm. and it's a synthetic compound. It's uh, life on the planet has never experienced glyphosate before, so it's a completely new molecule for yeah. life. Yeah, um, and. What it does is it interferes with the plant's ability to process uh, nutrients. Mm-hmm. And so the plant dies, and it's considered because we don't process nutrients the same way, that it's considered non-toxic to mammals and um, some other invertebrates, but it, uh, it's actually toxic to frogs and, and fish and and some insects. Um, so, you know, they when they first discovered glyphosate back in the 70s, they thought that this was kind of a miracle herbicide that it could kill plants and have no uh, environmental impact. You know, they, they, some of the first studies kind of showed that it broke down and, and kind of disappeared, which we're finding is not true, mm-hmm. especially in northern northern uh, climates. Mm-hmm. And they also figured that it was non-toxic to humans, mm-hmm. so that we could, you know, we could use it carelessly, we could get it on our fingers, and, you know, we could breathe the mist, and, mm-hmm. and it would be good. But uh, from day one... Um, they've never really studied the actual product. Okay, so it's not just glyphosate that is sold; it's glyphosate and these other ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, it's mixed with uh, industrial soap, like a surfactant, mm-hmm. and the soap is basically it, it breaks down the layer uh, of a plant cell so that the glyphosate can get into the cell and do its thing. Mm-hmm. And from day one, we've never tested the the formula. So mm-hmm. this all came out in the Monsanto trials there. Uh, a couple of years ago, so Monsanto lost three court cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were initiated by a groundskeeper, um, uh, Lee Johnson, who you know was soaked in glyphosate, and he developed uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a, a form of cancer. Uh-huh. And 
uh, so he finally got a lawsuit against Monsanto saying that they didn't properly warn people about it. Right. And and that basically it wasn't tested. And this all came out in the court cases, all confirmed that nobody has tested the actual product that is sold on the shelf. Okay? Oh, They've nice. only ever tested the active ingredient, which is glyphosate. They've never tested the complete package. And the IARC of the World Health Organization, when they declared glyphosate to be a probable carcinogen, that was based on the few independent studies that had actually looked at the complete product, not just glyphosate. Mm-hmm. So, so Monsanto and health authorities had done tons of studies on just the glyphosate. Right? Yes, they test right. that on animals in, in the lab and stuff, and it seemed like it was safe. But, you know, it doesn't kill plants on its own. It needs these other chemicals to kill plants. Yep. And that is probably what is making this more harmful to people. Yes. And it's just a huge blind spot that we've totally missed. And so, yeah, they lost three court cases, and it uh, went all the way up to higher courts. The uh, verdict was upheld, and we just recently learned that Bayer uh, will not be pursuing, Bayer purchased Monsanto, uh, Bayer will not be pursuing mm-hmm. an appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States. So they had the opportunity to appeal to the Supreme Court, and they said, nope, we're not going to because... The evidence was just so damning against them. You know, they've misled scientists, they've misled regulators, they've misled the public for decades on this. It's just yeah. shocking, the, all um, of the things that happened over the last 30 years with respect to this. And and what this, it does to... widely used herbicide on the planet. Like, this, we use tons of this stuff. It's in, um, we use it on all of our crops and yes. fields. Yes. You know, it's it, it's, it's in rain. Uh, we find it in rivers. Yep. It's in drinking water. It's everywhere. It's probably in all of our bodies. Well, it's um, what I read was the farmers are using it, and it gets into the corn. It gets into the wheat. It's in our Cheerios. Um, I read something about uh, autism, uh, Parkinson's. Um, there was a couple other things that are kind of being traced towards it. And, and the thing that I read was that it gets into the collagen of an animal that eats the, the, anything that's been sprayed with it and it cannot be cooked out and it gets into the, the, like if you're picking berries or something out in the bush, you can't wash it off. And that's what I read. It'll be in the fruit. Yeah. It'll be in the, you know, I, I, I believe it doesn't, um, it won't bioaccumulate in animals. But, you know, if a moose is eating sprayed uh, vegetation, you know, that's mm-hmm. why it could be in its blood. Well, they said right? it goes into it, the collagen. And that's oh, what, that's yeah, what I, I read. I haven't heard that. Yeah, well, I, I did read that, it. But, yeah. I mean, it could, if, if you're being consumed with, uh, if you're consuming food with glyphosate, it'll, it'll be in your blood, most likely. And so the other... Uh, it, the other thing I read was um, it kills off the the food that the animals survive on, like aspen. Well, that's the whole point of spraying, right? The whole point of spraying is to get rid of um, the competition, right? We want to get rid of the, the quote-unquote weeds to grow, you know, the potatoes of the forest, which are the pine trees. Yeah. And it has a devastating impact on aspen. Yes. Right? And, and we have to remember that these aspen trees... They're part of the forest. They, they're not actually growing from seeds. They're growing from root systems. Yes. Uh, that have been there for thousands of years. Yeah. Like, it's just, if you go into the woods and dig up in a, a willow that you find, mm-hmm. like, it's not just some little willow shoot that's coming from a seed. Like, you 
dig around in there. It's like a huge root system. Yes. With like old gnarly bits that are rotten. And yep. like, you can tell that this thing is, is ancient. Yep. And that's, that's the same with these aspen root systems. So after a disturbance, like when they grow, they were there before. They're part of the forest. Yep. And we spray these with glyphosate. The glyphosate gets into the root systems and it kills these roots. Okay, they don't come back from seeds. No. Very rarely do they come back from seeds. So we're actually causing permanent um, permanent ecological damage in our forests. For? Like they did a study, that the, and the government knows this, right? They studied uh, the survival of aspen 10 years after spraying. 92% of the aspen are dead. And that's what right? moves? And the ones that survive yeah. are probably contaminated. Yes. So yeah. that's a tree that probably, like, if you log that place... 60 years down the road, are, there, are they going to be there? No, Again, they're not. Like, no. We don't even know that, no. the answer to that question. No, uh, and it's for... So, I mean, we're, we're just we're just taking a huge gamble with our force, and it just so turns out that these aspen that we're getting rid of are the most fire-resistant tree in the forest. So we're getting rid of our natural fire breaks. Yep. And they support uh, the moose. That's where the moose hang out in the aspen stands. Yep. That's what the radio caller data there from the ministry's moose study showed. Yep. And... They see the beavers, right? The beavers yeah. love aspen. That's their favorite food. Mm-hmm. They'll also eat birch and other deciduous. Mm-hmm. But they don't eat pine or spruce trees, right? Right. And if you look at the rules, uh, they don't have to leave any deciduous around beaver ponds or along waterways. You know, they might not spray those areas, uh, but they might go in there and, and cut them down by hand. Yeah. And actually the guidelines, the provincial guidelines for riparian areas, uh, basically say nothing about beavers and that's right. describe all the different ways that we can get rid of deciduous around creeks. So ultimately we have uh, a whole mindset about forests that if it has a leaf on it, it doesn't have value and get rid of it. Yeah. And that's kind of the underlying problem here. But, uh, hey, I just wanted to back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, sharing there about you're talking about autism uh, with glyphosate. Yes, and, and Parkinson's, and there's some really interesting research that's come out about uh, our gut biome, you know, all the bacteria that live in our intestines. Right. And the connection between healthy gut biomes and mental health and yep. autism. Yep. And all sorts of different things. Yep. Yeah. And what actually we've, and, and what we've discovered is that, you know, the glyphosate might not affect humans or our biological system, but it affects the bacteria in our stomachs. Yes. Yeah, it's that... toxic to a lot of these different bacteria colonies in our in our intestines, and if you're eating that in your food all the time, like that is going to impact your the biological the balance of your of your biome in your well, in like, your body. So I was thinking, that's really interesting yeah. that you mentioned that because yeah. that's the that's the connection. That was the other thing that was the gut and uh, that it affected. And I think, you know, when I think about wheat in, in Cheerios and I see a little baby sitting in his high chair and mom puts Cheerios on the tray and the little fingers come and they pick up the, the Cheerios that are, uh, uh, have glyphosate in it because the farmers use it because like you said, if you want potatoes, then you kill everything else around it. If you want corn, you kill everything else around it. If you want, um, wheat, then you kill everything else and you use glyphosate to kill all the weeds, which to me, there's no weeds. Everything has a purpose in life and, uh, because you want to have a, a cosmetically nice lawn, you spray glyphosate on it called Roundup. 
Yeah, no, that's another thing. Like, let's just uh, let's just uh, learn to embrace a little bit more diversity. You know, like everything doesn't have to be tidy and neat. And nope. I think that's the same with 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 fields on farms. You know, I think you can have a few uh, weeds and not impact your your crops. Um, yep. And if it does, I mean, you never spent a bunch of money on glyphosate. So yep. I mean, even if your yield does go down a little bit, you save money not having to spray it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just to go, uh, one yeah. more time, just to back up to the other point yeah. there. The other, you know, when they first discovered glyphosate, they originally the original patent on it was as an antibacterial agent. Oh, so yeah. Oh, and then the other thing they thought about using was that a, a chelating um, compound to basically because it also bonds with uh, minerals. Oh yes, yeah. And that's the other way it impacts forests is that it can go into soil and bond with. Uh, you know, different uh, vitamins and minerals that trees might use, and and basically, yeah, wipe it out, take it out, take it out of the process. Yeah, because somebody uh, so somebody told me the other day they were up in Mackenzie, and there was a a big area up there that grows nothing. There's not even a fly or a bug or anything on that area. Do you know about that area? No, no, no. It, it, no, I mean. It, I know there's some areas that they experimented with um, 2,4-D and then, like, uh, Tordon, which is, um, I forget the name of the uh, the chemical in there, yeah. the Grazon. It's, like it, it, it's used to take out broadleaf plants, and it'll persist in the soil for a long time. And grass might grow there, but um, yeah. so, broadleaf vegetation won't. So it may have been something... Yeah, so the hunters. Yeah, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of wacky things back in the seventies and yeah, yeah. The hunters need to uh, get on board here because they they found forty dead moose in in this area. They were starved to death because. Oh yeah, that was um, actually was only four, but it was four four out of the ten that they'd found. So it was forty percent. Oh, forty percent. Oh, oh, that's forty percent of the recovered moose in PG South had died of starvation. That's, um, and that's the area that I'm familiar with. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Yeah, so forty so percent, not forty. Dying yeah. of starvation, right? Because this is being heavily logged out here, yeah. and there should be tons of food. Yeah, and there would have been food, but they sprayed every single cup block that had any deciduous in it, oh. like literally. Yeah, and this was this carried on from 2005 until um, well, they they stopped spraying out here in 2017. Yeah. But they, you look at the you look at the map of the sprayed blocks like it's it's crazy, you know they didn't spray everything, but the places they didn't spray didn't have a deciduous quote unquote problem. Yeah. So they they just targeted all the aspen, which is the preferred habitat of moose, and yeah. took all that out. And if you walk through these pine plantations out here, they, there's nothing to eat in these places. No, nope. no, nope. it's, it's all it's about crazy. money. Yeah. And and the, there's a few places that haven't been sprayed, and yeah. that's where the moose are in there like crazy. So yeah. actually the gun range there in Baldy Hughes, yep. that's a really good example of what a forest should look like. Yep. Yeah. And just look at the place right beside it, which got sprayed. Yep. Uh, just right to the north of the gun range, they sprayed all those blocks. Yeah. Um, out towards Lynx Lake, they sprayed all those blocks. They're all yep. pine trees. We need right? to take... And, and the gun range block, they didn't spray. There's moose in there every year. Uh, there's birch. There's dogwood, there's aspen, there's cottonwood, there's spruce, there's pine, there's fir. It's like a proper forest. This is the kind of thing that, that we should be growing, but it's 
Yeah, but they're not allowing that to happen. And another crazy thing about James, that James, study, James, it? we have to take a short break. I'm going to come oh, back to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is Senior Moments. We'll be right back. Join Kathy Hart Monday afternoons at 1 for Health First. One hour of authors, doctors, researchers, and specialists to help keep you informed on alternative and natural health practices, issues, and discoveries. We also include the latest health news from around the world and local health happenings. So tune in and get great health tips for you and your loved ones. Or visit the podcast link at cfisfm.ca for an archive of past shows. Health First, Monday afternoons from 1 to 2, only here on 93.1 CFISFM. The B.C. government is providing more than $50 million to help restaurants, bars, breweries, wineries, gyms, and fitness centers. The Circuit Breaker Business Relief Grant is open to eligible businesses of any size that have been in operation since February 1st. Up to $10,000 is available to help with rent, insurance, employee wages, and more. The amount available for each qualifying business will be based on the number of employees. For full details, search for Circuit Breaker Business Relief Grant at gov.bc.ca. Our province-wide confidential seniors abuse and information line is a safe place for older adults and those who care about them to talk to a trained intake worker about abuse or mistreatment and receive information and support about issues that impact the health and well-being of an older adult. For more information, call the Seniors Abuse and Information Line at 1-866-437-1940, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., closed on statutory holidays. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy this afternoon, then rain. Wind from the southwest at 20 gusting to 40 and a high of 8. More rain tonight, gusting south winds continuing, a low of 3. For Wednesday, rain, more south winds and a high of 9. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Manor. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Sharon, we're back on again. Okay, James, um, how do people get to sign that uh that paper that you've got all petition. those names, the petition. Well, we've we've got it on our website there, uh, www.stopthespraybc.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I'd encourage people to write letters to the chief forester yep. of British Columbia. That's another way to do it. Okay. Um, I wrote. And I wrote to all the people who I thought would be, like health, the minister of health, the minister of environment the Minister of Safety, um, because these are all safety issues for people's health in our community. They uh, wrote back to me, I'm telling you, James, I didn't even bother reading it because I knew it would be just um, a ama, ama. And it's it's about, um, like you say, they don't give a damn about us up here. It's all made decision. Because, James, Vancouver has banned the, the use of this. With cosmetic uses, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, what the heck? They're not going to care about what we do up here. I have to go, but I I want to have you back again. I know Echo wants to have you on, too, because this is an important subject that we need to keep in front of people. And I don't think a lot of people know about what they're putting in their bodies, James. Yeah, I know there's lots more to talk about too, Sharon, like about um like worker safety and like some of the, yep. the tree planters that are coming into town. Yeah. Uh who are gonna be out there backpack spraying. Yep. Uh you know, there's a lot of issues around these people knowing the danger of that or not yep. knowing the danger of that. Yeah. 
So and I'm being gonna, told otherwise. Yeah. Um, so the workers' compensation in Quebec actually now recognizes uh, that's some right. cancers, Parkinson's. Yep. And um, being a worker who has used glyphosate for ten years, yeah, that's the legitimate um, grounds to get compensation now. So. So I'm going Things to. Things are changing. You know, I don't want to sound too hopeless here, but then I'd love to talk more about the moose, the yeah. moose thing. Uh, yeah. You know, like it's not, they're not starving everywhere. They're only starving where they're, the spraying is yeah. like crazy. So yeah. So I, I want to set up another time with you. So I'll be in touch with you and then Echo will be in touch and then we'll keep it in front of everybody so they know what they're putting in their mouth and if they want to go hunting, uh, why they have no moose. So I want to thank you, James, for this time and for educating us about a poison that we have in our environment. And I will be in touch with you and set up another time. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Sharon. And, uh, yeah, you have a good day. Talk to you soon. Okay. And we're going, to, we're going to have another guest uh, and um, Judy's going to make the phone call. And I really want you to please participate in this. Um, www.stopthespray. Write to the Chief Forester. Talk about, um, you know, we have to get together as a group. I'm uh, an environmentalist. I like the uh, the bush. We have hunters here who like to hunt. And we have people who like to go walking in the bush. I need the last four numbers of her. I've got 308. 3086. 613-3086. Don't everybody phone her. Judy's phoning her. (laughs) So um, we only touched a little bit about the health issues. So how come all of a sudden we have so many autistic children and... uh, um, younger people having issues with their, their bowel and their gut. And um, people with Parkinson's all of a sudden is something that a lot of people know about. And I only know about it because my um, my family, my mother's side of the family, all had Parkinson's. And they came from Newfoundland, and Newfoundland was one of the highest uh, provinces in cancer, and they used glyphosate, and they, um, oh, it looks like we've got our next guest. Okay. All right, so we've got April. April, are you there? I am. Oh, hi. It's Sharon, and it's Senior Moments, and we want to talk about community gardens. Well, that's wonderful. I love talking about community gardens. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing... April, I didn't know about um, the community garden that was destroyed. Like, I live out of town. I uh, I only heard fr- about it from a friend in Quinell. So tell me what happened. Well, the Milburn Garden, it's down in the VLA. Uh-huh. Are you, do you know where it was? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, it was um, between Upland Street... Melbourne Street and Victoria Street. So just past 20th and Victoria, going into the VLA. Okay. Oh, I know now. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Yeah. At one time, there was a shed that yeah. had exposed logs at the end. Mm-hmm. It was it was a community garden that ran for about 23 years. Mm-hmm. And then um, when the main champion of the garden, Ivanka Georgievich, uh, stopped doing it, it was fallow for, 
well, some people were gardening, but no one was managing it. Right. And by managing, I mean that we found out you have to get a permit through the city and $600 a year of insurance. Okay. So it was, there were 45 beds Mm -hmm. on two sides of a cul-de-sac. And those beds had tons of perennials and self-seeding plants. They had lots of grass in them, too. Mm -hmm. But after years of, you know, many people planting many, many different varieties of food, Mm -hmm. eventually they were just chock full of all kinds of food. Yeah, I counted 35 species that came up by themselves when I... I, I gorilla garden there last summer. Oh, those are what my <laughs> uncle called volunteers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like there are perennial plants and volunteers. Yep. And I was just looking at a picture just now uh-huh. um, of what the garden looked like on May 24th. And the rhubarb was beautiful. And there was all kinds of spinach. Oh. And um, orac. Orac is a good spring vegetable. Mm-hmm. It's full, full of food. Mm-hmm. I considered that a volunteer food forest, and the reason I, you know, started gardening in it was because there were 45 beds of dirt. <laughs> Sounds like you love to get your hands dirty. <laughs> I, I also like um, utilizing opportunities. Yes. And the VLA is a very food insecure neighborhood. Yes. And in fact, that was one of the reasons that... Um, there was a decline around the garden, was they didn't know how to, the people that were ma- managing the garden didn't know how to deal with all the addicted folks oh, yes. who were using it as a refuge. Right. But think of that. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have enough refuges yeah. in our world. Yeah, yeah. And if there were better opportunities for the people, the marginalized and the homeless and yes. the impoverished, then... You know, we wouldn't have to worry about them camping out in the community garden. That's but it's right. not a terrible thing. No, no, no. It, it's a safe place for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so there were all those um, social issues that were going on. And last year while I was gardening there, I had so many volunteers that came. University professors planted beds of things. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the Green Party the local executive came and spent a Sunday gardening there. Mm-hmm. There was always volunteers, and I never ever asked for someone to come and help. Uh-huh. And then, and then, just one day, we noticed that the left hand side of the cul-de-sac, which we weren't cultivating, mm-hmm. was completely bulldozed, mm-hmm. which which was a bit shocking. Yeah, but you know, we we didn't have any actual title or right. Yeah, other than we're citizens and we pay taxes, and it's on city land. Right, and um, and and then they cut down a choke cherry tree. Oh, that was like twenty five years old, uh, totally laden with fruit. Oh. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous tree. Oh, Th- that rocked my boat, and so we felt like. Something terrible was afoot. Yeah. And we spoke to the city and we spoke to BC Housing, and there seemed to be some confusion about who owned it. Yeah. Anyways, they let us um, garden out the season, and then this this year they just bulldozed it without letting anyone in the community know because there was interest from the community. Uh-huh. You know, we didn't sign any permits or get any insurance. Yeah. But it was still a food forest. Yeah. And a, and a, a valuable resource to that community. Well, when I when I did a little bit of research on community gardens, I mean, I know intuitively what 
they how beneficial they are. But when you want to look at what the government or other people write about them, you know, they're a place where people come together and teach each other about um, how to grow food. Uh, ideally. Yeah. But uh, that garden was set up kind of where people, there was a, um, there was more independent work. It wasn't really, there, there's always community happening. Yeah. Yeah, there's for sure. community yeah. happening in a community garden, but there's so many different kinds of community gardens. And that's what we were aiming for was to, Make the beds filled with food for everyone yeah. or anyone. Yes, and that's how people came to support us. Mm-hmm. You know, us guerrilla gardening gardeners, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of old ladies and men. You know? <laughs> We've got nothing better to do. Let's grow food. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, and we did see people coming in for therapy, and I was um, approached by a university professor to run a two-week course in the garden, and I was approached by physiotherapists who wanted to bring their patients or clients there for therapy. Um, It is, it's incredibly therapeutic to garden, of course. Yes. And if you can do it with a group of people, and that was our our aim, was to create this as a community resource. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot more of the communal and building relationships and building networks just like nature does. Yes, yeah. And and uh, and I had shared with you that when I was a little girl uh, and there was a plot of land across the road from our home, all the neighbors got together and planted potatoes. And yeah. everybody took a turn at uh, watering and, and uh, pulling weeds. And at the end, they all harvested and took what they needed. And I just thought that was a natural thing to do. Why wouldn't we do it? There's open land. So what's happening to that piece of property now? Nothing? I I think our community, or well, I am aware that uh, Local Food PG Society, which I'm a member of, has been speaking to the city and speaking to the regional district, but we haven't really gotten to the bottom of it. Uh-huh. The thing is, is, we our group, our food group, was encouraged by um, Chris Bone of the city and yes. Murray Krause of the city yeah. to apply for a little $8,000 grant yeah. to, um, you know, work with the garden, like improve the garden yeah. and make it more accessible to people. So it's, it seems like there's different departments are, not all the departments know what the other department is doing. And apparently the department that was in charge of this garden mm-hmm. had no... Uh, official oh, connection with local food PG society at all weren't aware that you know there was an amazing thing happening there. Yeah, it was like spontaneous combustion. We were the people that were going to be the champions of the garden. We even wrote a letter like that to the mayor and council, but we never sent it. <laughs> Maybe you should. Not that I think it would have mattered. Like it just really, it, it just felt like they had another purpose for that. Yeah, um, tract of land. It seemed like it was more valuable than to them as real estate than a community garden. But we see the value of a community garden. And we're, we're talking with uh, a, a lot of stakeholders now because mm-hmm. this actually this actually was a catalyst. The yes. bulldozing of the community garden was a catalyst for people to wake up and say, hey, I actually do want to live in a community that offers that kind of resource to the homeless, to the marginalized to the impoverished 
Yes. And, um, and, and we do want that. We totally want yes. that. Yeah. We want to be growing food. And I think we, the reason we did it um, as um, guerrilla gardeners is we, a guerrilla gardener is someone that grows food on land that doesn't belong to them. Yep. And we didn't take any of the food. It was all for that neighborhood. Yes. We didn't police it or, yep. you know, say who could have what. It was we grew the food. And we did grow a lot of potatoes, man, a lot of potatoes. <laughs> that was probably the most um, valuable commodity in the garden. I but there think. were tons of other things, like tons and tons and tons. Yeah. And oh, I kept a record dear. of what, you know, just uh, volunteers there. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, so, uh, well, I, well, I was thinking about if um, if you thought about getting a hold of activators, they build things. And uh, I and I was thinking about those upper raised um, raised beds. those raised beds that were there. That <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I like the raised beds. Yeah, and it's I was thinking to manage the weeds. Yeah, if if uh, if the city will give you a, a spot, we could probably get activators to build the stuff and and get some dirt, um, you know, kind of uh, donated. And start all over again, I guess. Yeah, we're going to start all over again. You know, have have hands, will garden. Yes, yeah. Now, I think people, most people, um, know the value of growing your own food and how. And the other thing that always is on my mind was when we had the fires. Like, how how are we going to? Um, get our food if the, all the bridges are out and we need to think about uh, growing our food in a bigger way but let's start with uh, the local pg food society i mean i never heard of it so this is news for me too and i have to i have to cut you off in a couple of minutes yeah. and um but we have to talk some more alice sure. about this and um, we, can i just leave you with a thought uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Okay, so it's Local Food PG Society. There's a Facebook page. We also have the Prince, Prince George Food Hub, yeah. which is a Facebook group. Yeah. And that is a platform for people to discuss food policy, uh, recipes, um, what we want our city to do for us in terms of food security. Um, we're very food insecure pretty yes. much all over the planet. It's not just Prince George. Yeah. Um, we, we probably grow about 2% of our food, so all the rest is trucked in. Yeah. And, you know, since the 60s when they changed policies to centralize the production of food, you know, so the big yep. corporations could make the money. Yep. We, we lost all our, our food processing infrastructure, so that's the infrastructure that would turn milk into bottled milk or yes. eggs into grated eggs or meat into pork chops and steaks yep. and ground beef. Yeah. So we have very little of that um, food processing infrastructure, and we only produce 2% of our food. So we're, we, we're really hooped in a, in a disaster yep. situation. Yep. Although there, there are lots of homesteaders that, you know, try to take care of their own food yep. needs, which is great. And that's what we want to encourage with community gardens. Yes, yeah. To build these networks to build these relationships, and to grow food so you have some food sovereignty, which is the same as food security, which means you know where your food is coming yes. from, 
and you can protect yourself and feed yourself. Yeah. But Prince George doesn't have, uh, the city of Prince George does not have a food disaster plan. Okay. Like how we feed the people yeah. if the stop, if the um, transport trucks with food stop coming. Yes. Yeah, we so, so, Alice, we have to go, but I'm going to get a hold of you and set up another time so we can talk more about the importance of being um, a part of this. Self-reliant. Yeah, yeah, good. I really appreciate you giving us this time and this information, and I have to broaden it, and I have to give you more time next time. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. It's okay. Awesome speaking to you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We're going to take a break at Senior Moments, and we'll be right back with our next guest. The government of B.C. has expanded its Launch Online Grant Program. The program will now provide up to $75,000 to help businesses build or expand an e-commerce site. Businesses in the hard-hit tourism sector and the service industry can now access the grant to build or improve their online booking systems. Small and medium-sized businesses can apply online and review eligibility criteria at launchonline.ca. The Launch Online Grant Program. Application deadline is September 30th or until funds have been fully subscribed so don't delay. The city of Prince George is releasing its annual lists of roads and sidewalks slated for resurfacing and rehabilitation during the upcoming paving season. This year, the city will resurface about 43 lane kilometers of road. The city is also rehabilitating about 1.3k of sidewalk. In total, there will be 38 projects for road resurfacing and 5 for sidewalks this year. More information, including maps showing this year's road and sidewalk projects, are available through the News and Notices link at princegeorge.ca. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is recruiting volunteer committee members for their annual IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. This year's walk will take place throughout the month of May, culminating in a virtual celebration on May 30th. If you have the time and are looking for a volunteer role, email volunteer at alzheimerbc.org, call 604-742-4937, or visit the special events volunteer section of the Alzheimer's Society of BC website at alzbc.org slash event volunteer forecast from environment canada cloudy this afternoon then rain wind from the southwest at 20 gusting to 40 and a high of eight more rain tonight gusting south wind continuing a low of three for wednesday rain more south winds and a high of nine brought to you in part by riverbend seniors community on 93.1 cfis fm this is senior moments Hello, Chris. Chris oh, and I didn't have my mic up. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Chris. Um, welcome to Senior Moments. Oh, thank you. And I wanted to have you on because you're a private, small little business here in town. That's, you said you started just as COVID started. So. Yeah. And so, um, I went on your website and, you know, it's very interesting what you have available. You've got, um, a general store there, except you don't have homemade bread or cheese. <laughs> exactly. I work at the Hubble General Store, so yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember going into them in Quebec years ago, and you could buy a, a great big beer that was like a, a ginger ale bottle and a big hunk of cheese and fresh bread. And you yeah, could go over. Awesome. Yeah, and then you could buy shoes and dresses and stuff as well. <laughs> we, and... Uh, and so we bought a beer and cheese and buns. And so, Chris, what made me interested was people are going on Facebook and complaining about the price of wood and yeah. saying that plywood, uh, you know, they need to go down to your store. 
Uh, I don't have much for plywood because people aren't recycling their plywood. They're reusing their plywood. <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah. I do have almost anything uh, you could find at a hardware store you could find in my store. It's yes. not more. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is I was wondering, do people come in and sell it to you or do they just donate it to you to resale? Or how does how does one bring their old toilet down to you <laughs> so, so i'm a recycle center for reusable construction materials so instead of paying the fees at the dump they can act as long as it's reusable they can bring it to me and then i recycle for really affordable prices so win-win everywhere that's brilliant you know and mm-hmm. and you've got everything like when i a little bit of everything yeah you do i mean there's all kinds of doors Yes. And uh, windows that, you know, I was thinking about building a cabin, like if I was going to build a cabin right now and you, you know, you want to do it as frugally as possible. You've got just about everything you could need in your place. Toilets, yes. sinks, sinks with cupboards. You've got all kinds of lighting stuff. Um, have you got two by fours? Were those two by fours I saw? No, I don't have much for lumber right now. Like I said, everyone's keeping them, and I still yep. have a few shelves to build. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my few few by four. Well, yeah, it's a good idea, but you've got all yeah, kinds of running out of room. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go up. You've got um, all kinds of different kinds of lights for inside, and you've also got outside lighting. Yeah, so anything to build a house, you can find that on my. So yes, any lighting. Yeah, maybe odd plumbing things that you wouldn't necessarily find anymore. Things yeah. like that. I saw water coolers, um, yeah. and kitchen sinks, and shelving. Um, dish doors. You had a dishwasher in there too. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so I do take good working clean appliances. Yeah. Um, I offer a thirty day warranty when they're for resale too. Yeah, and also I saw um, stoves. You had some stoves yeah. and tables and chairs and a water cooler. There was a couple yeah. of those, I think. And I um, wanted to- water cooler, but I a lot of wood. For, I'll only take wood furniture because I really am oh. focusing on the construction material, oh, like good. the cupboards and yes. things like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, and a uh, a sink for the bathroom that's in a cupboard, so that I was just thinking about a cabin. You know, when I was looking at your your website, and I was thinking, oh look, that would be fine because you don't run to really have a great big. When I lived in uh, uh, six hundred square feet, I didn't want a lot of stuff, and you've got small size there that would fit into a cabin if you were building one. Yeah, but, and it's always changing too because people are recycling every day. Yeah, which I think <laughs> is such a great idea. You had a special coffee table there. Is it gone? Oh, the gentleman with the solid wood coffee table that with the one leg missing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that coffee table, <laughs> but it is. Yes, it's like six years old, and yes, I still have it. <laughs> you still have it, do you? Yeah. And so people can just maybe phone you first to tell you what they have. Is they that can over Facebook me, or if they're already on the way to the landfill, stop there first. Yeah. See what they can take, and I'll lighten up their load. Yeah. And take it all. You never know. Yeah. And so you just take just about anything, eh? To build a house. Yeah, to build a house or a cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't take, like, clothing. Do anything you see at a thrift store, they stay at the thrift stores. 
Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. Yes. And I don't take anything with fabric on it. Oh, that's so a good no, idea. No carpet. Unless it's like brand new. I don't take paint unless it comes from a company. Yeah. I just, because it's time consuming and yes. Yes. And sometimes I will get the odds. And once again, I'll post it on my Facebook page or whatever. Yeah. And I saw a lot of case, uh, like bookcases or shelving, I should say, because you could use it for anything. It doesn't have to just be books. But exactly. I, I like well, the... I'm- I like I the looks of it. I a lot of light shades, you know, when you break that light shade. A lot of bookshelves are used for the light shades. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, now let's talk about the donkey. Have you got so that I donkey? I used to have a mini donkey, and he'd come to work with me. Yes, his name was Rusty. Oh, did he pass? Yes, unfortunately, oh, he did. Oh, because I thought, oh, they've even got a donkey that you can buy. <laughs> No, no donkey was priceless. He was mine. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. And so you're down on First Avenue? Yeah, so off of First behind or across from the Humane Society. So in that little industrial complex. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so down there. Okay. Now, um, let's talk talk about let's talk about the painting of the church. Okay, so that came in a box from a friend of mine when I first opened, and I just loved it, and I kept it, and then I found out it was, it was like a print of one of uh, Lance Morgan's photographs. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I just, I, I mean, it just grabbed me, and I thought, oh, that's because it's just black and white. It's a. Uh, it's yeah. nothing fancy. It's just no. an old church. I actually wondered if it was that church between here and um, Quinnell. When, it's, uh, no, it's the old Salmon Valley Church. Oh, Salmon Valley Church. Okay. Yeah. And Lance, he was quite a character. We, um, Some of us had been to some of his funerals, and, and he, he really did... Uh, Make you cry, <laughs> or laugh? Yeah, I he make you laugh too. <laughs> yeah, and amazing. He also made it very easy. He always, he always knew where how to help people. Yeah, he really did. Well, and that's kind of what you're doing, aren't you? You're you're helping people save money, and and you're helping the environment by recycling things that would be in the dump instead. And uh, I think, I mean, is that brought you to do this? Well, I also worked for Habitat for eight years, the old restore on Queensway. Oh, and yeah. I, that was my favorite job. I loved it. I was like, loved going to work every day. So, yeah. For years, I was trying to figure out how to make it my own, and that's when I decided to be a recycle center. Okay, because when when I saw it, that reminded me of Habitat Store. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's such a great idea. So, yeah, and also I'm very well known. A lot of people recognize me from the old store. Yeah. So that helped. Well, they need to know that you're there, Chris Wall. And uh, and so you're down on first. And you were going to say something before I rudely interrupted you. I was going to say that wall, the walls open Thursday through Monday and close Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And so, you open from when to when? So... Ten thirty to six on the weekdays, and Saturday, Sundays, twelve to five. And how are you doing as far as business goes with the COVID? Well, last year was a lot of drop off because people were cleaning up. This year, I'm finding a lot more, a lot more. The customers are starting to come now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Everybody had time on their hands. I mean, I have I to have say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also uh, when the northern closed. 
they called me and recycled six sixteen foot cube vans into my store. Oh my so goodness! I unloaded unloaded by myself. So oh. yeah, it was, you couldn't move in my store. And then a week later it was a pandemic. So I really <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't seen my store till probably about a month ago. The floor of my store probably a month ago. <laughs> well, I think it would be a good place to just go browse. Um, you know, you've got a whole bin full of doorknobs, and and they're, they're nice brass ones. And I really, you know, I have brass covers on my um, light switches, and I, I like brass. <laughs> but I thought it'd be fun on a Saturday to go down and just walk around, because maybe you might see something that uh, you needed, and there it is. Or inspires you. There's a lot of garden art happening. Yeah, uh, you do have garden stuff and garden tools, I noticed. Yes. Yeah. And so, so anything to pretty well upkeep a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Build the house. I like to say tools, build the house. <laughs> so go down and say hi to Chris. I have a walk around her store that's got just about anything you can imagine. At 1839 First Avenue. And you can go on our website. Unit 12B. Pardon? Unit 12B. 12B. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And you might open signs out, though. Good. Yeah. And you're across from the Humane Society. So a lot of people know where that is, too. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time, Chris. I hope people come and uh, take instead of bring. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thank you. And uh, call me, you know, if you if you've got something special happening, give me a call. I will, so if I ever get more donkeys, you'll be the first one to know. Oh, well, good. I'll bring some hay. <laughs> okay, Chris. You have a great day. Thank yeah, you, you so too. Much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So I I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about Alice and about the um, the food and the, the group in town that is... Uh, organizing because maybe you might want to get involved in it. So one is the local PG uh, Food Society, and the other one is PG Food Hub. And Alice said there's um, a website there, and I'll get her back on again. April. April. Yeah, you, thank you. You've been saying Alice, and I, I wonder why this time I, I had to correct you. Good, no, no, thank you. <laughs> I wonder why I got Alice. It's like. Um, Michael, you got Alice on the brain. Yeah. Well, I love that name, actually. I don't think I've I know. i a girlfriend, Alice, that I've had since we were 50. Well, actually, I was friends with her when my dad was killed. Oh, yeah. I was 15. Yeah. So April and April. Yeah. And so we have to really think about this, people. How, if if the city has no plan in place, like a food um Disaster plan. There are places that could, there could be community gardens. Yes. There used to be one on Victoria. Um, yeah, there was. Yeah. Right on the corner there of 7th or, I think it was 7th. or 8th, something yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened to that one either. But, you no, know, Corey used to grow there. And I, I was involved in a, when I lived down south, mm-hmm. I was involved in a neighborhood and my day was Wednesday. And that was the day I went and watered and uh, learned about all kinds of different vegetables and, and uh, things that you could grow 
down south, my goodness, watermelon. Oh, but you're growing some anyway. You're well, trying. I'm trying. Yeah. And, you know, I only thought about this when we had the fires. And thought the first thing I thought about was how do I get out of Prince George when there's all the all the roads are uh, blocked and uh, and so I got a forestry map and I found a way I could get down south if I had to or even up north on forestry roads and then I started thinking about our food supply and I found out that we have three days worth in Prince George we probably have less than that now that. Uh, they keep inviting people to come and move here and open businesses. <laughs> <laughs> and so what about our food security? And if we're growing only 2% of the food, everything else is imported, we may as well be on an island. We may as well go live in Barbados where they have to import everything. So let's think about, um, if you don't want to think about yourself, think about the kids and how they're going to have food. And then, as a summary, glyphosate, um, look it up. It's G-L-Y-P-H-O-S-A-T-E. If you're putting Roundup on your lawn, you're putting glyphosate on your lawn. And what did James say about how it gets into the plant and kills off everything so it cannot grow again next year. And about the 40% of our moose population, I thought it was 40 moose, but it was 40% of our moose population. Which is a lot. Yeah. Well, it's almost half. Well, and and that's why we're getting, like, they've had to herd moose off the airport Mm -hmm. because there's a little spot there that has what they need. Yes. And we've had moose... Like the last couple of years, I haven't had moose through my yard. I got them through my yard again this year. Yes. Yeah. So and I'm on 12 acres. Yeah. And so they're moving from where the poison is, where the, I mean, yeah. how can they starve to death? Because well, of the greed of, of, I read an article about forestry and it was a government article and it was when Mike and I were talking. There was not one consideration of wildlife of birds of insects of all of those things there was no consideration in there at all and we need all of them we need the insects just as well as everything else i mean the birds yeah why do we live here exactly we live here because we're so close to to nature and now yeah and we can enjoy it yeah and what mike said was um they want to plantation grow for 60 years. Yeah. In 60 years, we're going to be using something other than wood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show today. We didn't have enough time for our guests because they were so interesting and educating. Yep. And I will have them back again, and we will give them more time. And so right this, on. this is Senior Moment signing off for this week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Golf Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at cfisfm.ca.